This is School TV, Episode 7, live at the Line Hotel, Full Service Radio, with special guest Maj Torre. I thought you was going to mess that up. No. Nah. That was good. That was good. What's up? <laughs> What's up, bro? Chill like, man. Chill yeah, man. Yeah. How, how's everything, man? Everything's good, man. I, um, we just did a couple of classes. I just got back from Vegas for SHOT Show. Did a couple of uh, firearm safety classes in Virginia leading up to that uh, Senate Bill 64 lobby day, January the 20th. Um, and then, you know, so Virginia, Vegas, and, you know, here. So, I mean, I, I wouldn't dare complain. It don't fix nothing. Okay. Just so our, our listeners and viewers who may not have heard of you, yeah. you are the co-founder yep. of Black Guns Matter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, co-founder of BGM. We are a firearm safety and training organization. We go to where the homicide's at, um, where the anti-gun legislation is at, because usually those things go hand in hand. Where there's more you know, legislation that is restrictive of the freedom of keeping bare arms, homicides are usually up. Um, so we go to those areas, we deal with conflict resolution, de-escalation, uh, basic firearm safety, and uh, political education. Basically, we like the entry level to, if you're curious about firearms in an urban demographic, you could come see us. For the, you know, and these classes are free. Well, what does uh, the conflict resolution and de-escalation look like? First, recognizing what conflict is. I think a lot of dudes think things are conflicts that aren't. You know, so first is identifying it. So, for example, um, an example that I give a lot of times is we in a club. I don't go to clubs, me personally, because it's, it's like a little too boxed in. Um, but let's say if I went to a club and it's packed, I just decided to wear $400 Yeezys that day. There's a bunch of beautiful women in there. People been drinking. The dude in front of me might step on my $400 Yeezys or however much they is now. First of all, it's a crowded club. You decided to wear $400 sneakers to. Hmm. Second of all, it's, it's a bunch of women in here, and the dudes are not paying attention to anything but the women. I mean, unless you're gay, then you might be paying attention to me. However, you came into this place. You wore fancy sneakers. Everybody's drinking. Then that brother steps on your feet. That's not a conflict. If you evaluate the scenario, slow down for a second, more than likely he didn't intend on doing that. Then the other thing is your response to a thing that you might think is a conflict or not, right? So if it's, yo, excuse me, bruh, that energy, your response, sometimes it ain't what you say is how you say it, you know what I mean? So it's just training people to identify, you know, things that are or are not conflicts. And even if it happens to be, let's say he deliberately stepped on your feet, fuck these Yeezys, I don't like Yeezy, Right? Is that worth you lighting him up in the club for? Like, like in reality, like a, a certain level of self-ownership is there. Now, I'm not saying if you're trying to get super physical, don't like do what you got to do. But it's just recognizing and evaluating in a, in, a, in a moment-to-moment process. And for me, usually everywhere I go, I got a gun on me. So it's like these rounds do not go back in this barrel. And each one of these rounds that potentially could come out is potentially a jail sentence or is definitely a charge associated with it. Everywhere is a camera. So is that really, is that really what you, you know, is that what you really want at that moment? So, you know, having a, having a gun on me most of the times, and a lot of times I'm carrying unlawfully in, in places that I shouldn't based on the rules of, or unlawful statutes in that city. So it's like, nah, I'm good. You know what I mean? It's cool, bro. My fault. You know, so just teaching people that from a very practical and urban perspective. I saw you testifying before Congress. How does that happen? Because I often see brothers, mm-hmm. sisters who aren't politicians yeah. testifying before Congress. What's the process of that? So one, I got to be clear for my, my urban demographic. They hear that word testify. Okay. And you know what I'm saying? So it's either church or you working with the, <laughs> okay. the folks. So you were speaking before. I was speaking before Congress. <laughs> okay, let's get that straight. Yeah, good. <laughs> because it's basically, it was, it was a, um, some of these gun groups, they have a tremendously horrible um, PR. And the work that we've done with Black Guns Matter is change that narrative. Pretty much we single-handedly have reshaped what being a gun owner in America looks like, right? Because mm-hmm. we're good at PR. We're good at, you can't have... Every rally looks like super white. The, the left, 
for lack of a better term, is going to use that to try to make it look like gun ownership is racist. So with the success that we had at Black Guns Matter was um, changing how that looks and getting more people from the demographic in there. So people that are high-level politicians recognize that and they're like, yo, we're having a, 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 a hearing on banning assault rifles or the effects of you know, gun control in these urban demographics. You want to rock with this. And I'm like, absolutely. You know what I mean? First of all, other than I had never spoke at Congress before. I've been in the White House a couple of times and, you know, all that. Really? Yeah. I try to see if I can get in their strap. You cannot get in their strap. It's just not going to, it's not, I'm joking. It's, <laughs> I didn't try to get in the White House strap. <laughs> but uh, they got these weird x-ray machines too. Like when you come, it's just a whole nother thing. But um, I had been to the White House a couple of times. So I'm like, yo, all right, I'll go, I'll go deal with Congress, you know. So I, had to, I did have to drop my gun off. And then um, go back in there. What happened was I had I had been in Congress before. I had did um, a guy named Wilco show, and he was supposed to interview Ron uh, Ron Rand Paul, and he was he, he had pushed it back, and he was like, "Yo, Maj, after I interview, you want to go to Congress and chop it up?" Yeah, I absolutely do. So that was the first time. What, one second, but, did Rand is Rand Paul a gun owner? And if he is, why didn't he use it when he was assaulted by his neighbor? So. I think for that same re- I don't know if what is what is uh I do believe I know that he's libertarian in heart but he's registered as a Republican. Okay. Um I don't know about his arsenal, but I think he thought the same concept of is this I think politicians get real comfortable too. Okay. You know they 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 got the um Thomas Mass used to tell me about the when he's wearing his um congressional pin how people like move out of your way and police people stop talking in the elevator. He's like it's like this, the ring from Lord of the Rings over the rings. It's like it's the precious. It make you start believing this false hype. So I think because they got armed security detail and people move out their way, they be real. They situational awareness be real trash. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So and I think also that as well as you start feeling like you ain't got to have a burner on you. And I don't know why you think that, you know, but whatever. Um, so I did that interview with him. Then after that started catching traction, um, he re- we had reached out to him because they was doing a fundraiser. And Philly, and a friend of mine was like, "Yo, you should go to this." And so I went to that, and then so that relationship happened, and that's how I had the relationship with Thomas Massey. So I'm like, "All right, absolutely, I'll go to the to the uh, to speak at this hearing," because then I'm gonna call Thomas Massey, and I'm gonna be like, "Yo, you at your job today? I'm gonna just go hang out in Senate, you mm-hmm. know." And so I, I spoke there about, you know, um, and it was a panel with other melanated beings, but they have more of a very anti-gun approach. Guns save lives. Why do you think that is? They, they get funding from f- agencies that want that to be the narrative. See, with Black Guns Matter, we raised and gave away about $275,000 over the last couple of years to do these classes and keep the entry costs free. I don't... I, I got to ask you, bro. Yeah. You raised $275,000? Yep. All off donations on GoFundMe. Were those black people making those donations? Both. I got black, I got Asian, you, you I got white. You gotta teach me how you did it, man. Oh, it's just hella, um, hella Twitter. Now this is over a year and some change, mm-hmm. but it's one. I give everybody a shout. You don't donate five dollars, one dollar, five thousand. I got a donation for twenty five grand one time. You know what I'm saying, um, I just give everybody propers, and people see the work. So it's like, yo, you going where and teaching firearm safety? Yeah, I'm going to Chicago. Yeah, I'm going to Detroit. Yeah, I'm going to New Orleans. Yeah, I'm going to you know what I mean, all of these places. So then it's like, yo, we're doing this. We, we don't have no masters. I work for the people, for real. And so um, between that and the merchandise sales. That's good to know. Yeah, it's like, y'all can't really, I get to do whatever the fuck I want to do. I get to say, when I'm in a different city, if it's a rough city, I'm carrying a gun. One of my friends might bring me one, but this is a human right. Some of them people that work for them bigger organizations, they can't say that. Because they, they, they pro-gun organizations is really law enforcement agencies. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, um, so I raised that bread, gave it away, because I don't want people to think. That's another thing. I was a good steward over the paper. Because our first goal was 25 grand for 13 cities. We raised that. People was mad at us. You ain't coming to my town. Then we raised it to like 50. Then we raised it to 100. Then we kept hitting these benchmarks. And then everybody was like, bro, just make it a million dollars. Our goal now is a million. We'll probably hit that within a year and some change. But my point is, we need a building that we own that people can come learn and train for free all the time. And I'm going to make that in Philly. 
You train people. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? How to, how to yeah. break the gun down, yeah. clean it. Handling, oh. proper storage, safety. The biggest thing is the safety component. You know what I mean? And so we do all. And I want to have a spot in Philly where wherever you traveling around the country, I want that joint to be like Nipsey spot. Wherever you from in the world, you're going to come here and you're going to stop at the Marathon Clothing. You're going to stop at the BGM flagship store. And uh, so we did that. Those organizations were seeing, you know, or people in like Gun Owners of America, white people, black people, even though it's called Black Guns Matter, we get hella support from whoever. Speaking of which, I've watched a couple of your events, right? Mm-hmm. And they weren't majority white, but mm-hmm. they were substantially white. Yeah. Like 35 to 40% yeah. white. Why would white people support Black Guns Matter financially mm-hmm. or with their presence? So two reasons. One, they know that they can't, they, they know that their thing, their freedoms are intertwined with ours. Most of the anti-gun legislation is created off of the false narrative in the big cities. So, for example, Chicago, all of the gun control rules, right? All of them up until about still got them. But most 70 percent of the homicides in Illinois are in Chicago. So they use that as the template. Never mind the fact that you didn't inform these people in this demographic. You made it harder for uh, hardworking folks to have firearms and train properly. You're going to ignore that part. You're going to just drop the guns. It's like the 80s with crack. Drop the dope. Drop the guns. We got it. Let them fight it out, right? And, no, and there's misinformation here. So then they use those big populations to determine legislation for the whole state. So knowing that, them white boys can't come through North Philly and educate the same way that I can. There's a natural apprehension. I don't fucking know you. It's like the mob. Who, who man is this? Who, are you vouching for him? For me, it's like, I'm like, yo, my, my, my commitment to my community has already been etched before I started doing this. So people see me selling whatever I was selling for a very long time. Mm-hmm. So, all right, if Maj is co-signing him, Maj know my word is my word. If Maj, co- yo, you need to listen to this dude. This dude not got information that you need. I see you Mexican carrying, don't got the right holster, don't got a holster on. I could tell you the same thing, but if I'm in Detroit, I'm going to leave. You need to establish a relationship with this lawyer, this firearms instructor, this range, and build on that. So now we have sales, and then we get y'all voting a different way. That's why another component of BGM is political education. So these are all of the reasons. I'm not foolish. My value is in the fact that our, our fates are intertwined. The ability for Americans to continue to defend themselves is going to be largely hedged on what happens in these urban demographics that y'all cannot speak to, that they already respect me. Like, like Nip said, I got respect in 100 sets already because I've just been doing the work. Something you just said. Um, do you see yourself as a, an American or an African-American? I see myself as a melanated being. All of these titles. I'm an American because American's an ideal. I'm also... Um, and the direct lineage of people that was stolen and or was here first. Because I might have came from some Choctaw or some Iroquois or some Pawnee or whatever. Because we wasn't all brought here. We circumnavigated the planet before the Europeans popped up out the Caucasus Mountains. That's just the reality. And I'm not saying that to be offensive. That's historic. You, we know what the Moors did in Spain. Like, come on, bro. Like, you know what I'm saying? So the problem is... Um, the story was kind of like our history was like American history kind of like put a dent in melanated beings history because of the way that it broke it down during the mafia, the slave trade, all of that chattel and all of that. But the reality is I'm here now. This is my shit. I don't really care. I'm going to learn, OK, about the natives to this land, the indigenous people on Turtle Island. I'm also going to learn about people from the Songha. I'm also going to learn about people. My last name, Toure, that's West African royalty. So. I'm going to be aware that the planet is my home, but I just, my throne right here now in America, and I want all of the energy afforded to me based on this idea called America. Most of the people from America ain't from America. It's just what it is, you know? Mm-hmm. Give us your poor, your tired, your huddled masses. That was the standard. So, yeah, I'm an American. Everybody that say they ain't say that till they, till they fill out for a passport. Issue is, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so, and I use, listen, I use American privilege when I'm around the country. I remember this one time I was in London 
selling my music on their train system years ago. They got these cameras years ago that like, it's like one cop in a booth with all of these cameras just looking at stuff. And they kept telling me I couldn't sell the music on the train. I had did it in New York, Cali, all this before. And I threw out my passport so fast. American, I ain't know. I ain't know. I'm an American. You don't want to know. In my head, you don't want no international incidents. Mm-hmm. That's just what it is. I'm going to use everything to my, my family and my community's advantage. The concept of American is an ideal. That's why it's so corporate. You know what I mean? Even the concept of a corporation comes out of emancipation. We was taking these people's identities for so long, we got to let them have a new identity, a straw man. You know what I'm saying? So all of these things is like, these are, these are concepts, you know? And I want all of them, and I'm not going to be limited by any of them. Yeah, I'm American, and I happen to be melanated too. And who, who, who got an issue with what? So, you know what I mean? I, I, just, I just don't submit to that whole, like, well, they didn't mean it for you. I don't give a fuck what they meant. That's not, I don't, that has nothing to do with me. I know what it means for me. You're not ashamed to be known as an American? No, not at all. Okay. Not at all. Let me, let me ask you about the, the NRA and its relationship with black gun owners. Yeah. Well, what happened with Philando Castile? Why didn't they support, support justice for Philando? Um, they, they biased right now. I text. I text. Are they racist or biased? Nah, Explain I think, what the issue is. I think so. All right. So my, my buddy Rob Pink is um, he's an international um, firearms instructor. You either love him, people either love him or hate him. 20, 30 years of firearms training. Um, he broke it down very well. The NRA on a good year has about 5 million members. There's 100 million gun owners in America that we know of. <laughs> They keep it around four or five million people because if you have people like me bringing my hood in the NRA, you can't really control them the same way. The NRA, so I'm going to say the pros and the cons. The pros. The NRA was started to help newly freed black slaves fight against the Klan. That's why the NRA was started. That's a fact. That's a fact. The NRA back then in D.C., had the only, in the 60s, had the only desegregated gun range, like, on the eastern seaboard. But at the same time, you fast forward a bit, there was a coup that happened in, like, the 70s, where it was like, yo, we not doing this, like, this ain't about hunting, this is about Second Amendment rights. In the 60s, but they were heavily influenced by that Republican lean, like Ronald Reagan. So in the 60s, they far, far away from when they started, back, way back in the day. In the 60s, um, Mulford, the Mulford Act, when the Panthers was doing their thing, exercising their human right to self-defense, Ronald Reagan was down with that Mulford Act. And that's why California is in the state that it's in right now in regards to freedoms because of the NRA. So they got this four or five million people that they want to mix. For two or three years, I was at all of the NRA conventions. I'm thinking, oh, y'all just suck at PR like most people on the left do. How were you received? I think that... They like what I'm about, but I come with the hood. And some of the statements that you make, you're going to get questioned on it. Like, your leader said you don't think that people should have machine guns. Wayne LaPierre is with that. Ronald Reagan was with that. So if we're doing a modicum of research, are y'all still on that vibe? And to be perfectly honest, currently they are. Should people have machine guns? Absolutely. And what would they do with the machine guns? Shoot tyrants. That's what the Second Amendment is about. If you're tyrannical, I don't want... The government should not have anything that the people don't... That's, that's not me making that up. That's the construct that we follow in America. Is it possibly outdated? Nah, not at all. It's, it's, more, it's more so now, now needed than ever. You got dudes... There's, there's legislation in Virginia that they're trying to push, SB 64, right? Mm-hmm. That would make it unlawful if the people in this room, two or more people, three or more people, if I decided to train y'all with handguns, we would then be identified as paramilitary and be Class C felons. Wow. That is legislation that Governor Northam from Virginia, the blackface governor, is pushing. Is he a Democrat? Of course he is. This, this is the same person that got caught in blackface next to a person with the Ku Klux Klan outfit on, initially denied it. Then he says, well, I don't know which one was me. That just tells me this is a fucking Klan picture of you that ain't surfaced yet. 
This the guy that's pushing for gun control and gun control in its essence, manifestation, execution and result is racist. It was started in Virginia to stop melanated beings from having the means to defend themselves. It's not me making it up. It's what happened. Gun control at racism there is older than America. The Democrats are big on gun control. Mm -hmm. Are they by default racist? Yep. The, 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 so, so let's say if they're not running around going like, yo, fuck the niggers. That's like a low-end, low-brow, not intelligent racist. Correct. That's, oh, you, you calling me names? Oh, all right. I got a can and I can light you all the way to fuck up. But, nah, it's cool. It's just names. Them people, Democrats on that high level, they more dangerous because they, they what Malcolm told us. Them white liberals, he said it. And, okay, show me if I'm wrong, show me where I'm wrong. So Malcolm says, the fox and the wolf. The wolf show you his teeth. You know he coming to eat your face off. The, land, the fox is more... Uh, friendly they still end up with the lamb chop on the plate white liberals will make you feel like they with you literally Hillary's thing was I'm with her it was like a bunch of black people going I'm with her the same lady that was talking about super predator married to the dude that locked up more black men than any other president of all time but it's cool because he went on Arsenio Hall with a fucking saxophone, saxophone. Mm -hmm. oh it's cool because he got some top in the White House that's not cool that's you locking up tons and tons of black men. And you say, well, you black people just got to keep, you know, you got to get the dads in the home. Well, Bill and them locked them all the fuck up for something that now y'all are going to make billions and trillions of dollars off a lot of times. Weed. Three strikes for weed. I got homies like, like they dad is like under for weed. That y'all that, that got like dispensaries. I was in Vegas last week at Planet 13. That is Disneyland for weed so they inherently racist on that high you know top of the pyramid part of it are the republicans inherently racist as well yeah because i, I saw <laughs> where you've been a democrat mm -hmm. a republican yep and a libertarian yep explain to me along racial lines what the difference is and then along gun ownership lines what so the, the, the racist so it's like when you work at, like, my first job was McDonald's, right? All right, you get your uniform, you know what I'm saying? You working the fries, bro. Like, it's easy. That beep sound going to tell you when to take these joints out, shake them, dump the salt on them, sit them in here, sit them there under the, the warmers. We ain't, you ain't really touching no burgers yet. That's a whole nother, you definitely ain't touching the money yet. Then after you even graduate through that, then you might have to, now you got to relearn everything because now we're going to put you on a breakfast shift. Now you don't know how none of this works. So it's just evolution. I'm raised in the hood, so everybody tells you, you, you a Democrat. And doing a little bit of research, I'm like, bro, all of these Democrat cities look the same. Then you do a little bit of research and you see, oh, the first 13 black senators was Republicans. Why? What does the word Republic mean? Your own sovereign entity. Then you're like, well, wait, why they keep telling me the opposite? Then you do a little bit of that. Then I go into and I'm, okay, I ain't a Democrat no more. I'm going to do this whole Republican thing. And I see, oh, Lincoln was, Dr. King was. Okay, I see that. Then you, I don't just lean and stay there, though. It's like, nah, y'all still got some of them funny vibes, too, in this room. When I'm at different events, they may have more of an appreciation for the Second Amendment because they was fighting against the Democrats, too. Yeah, so, the Dixiecrats were originally the racists. Right. And that, that's why the Republican Party was cool. But the Dixiecrats left the Democratic Party and joined the Republican Party. So it started and mixing. That's, and that's where the shift took yeah. place. So, so when that mix happened, that still doesn't change the historic, you know, the historical, the factually accurate histories that these were the first Republicans. But that don't mean, like because they on this party on this side that is all cool nah because if y'all was super cool why has your level of lack of involvement in urban America been as such the Democrats is winning because at least at least they giving up free shit and they there <laughs> they buying votes they buying votes you ain't even I used to say this to the people at the NRA why y'all ain't telling that part of y'all story the good part 
Why y'all ain't telling the y'all y'all was arming the deacons for defense? With Dr. King and the With Dr. Rights. King and all yeah. of that. Why y'all not telling that part of the story? Oh, because that four million back to that point. You 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 so in the NRA, when you Look, give over one million go ahead. Do you think they don't want to alienate their white base yes. who may be racist? Yes. Because that I, I see that a lot. Yeah. Even within the Republican Party, yeah. there are certain things I know for a fact that Trump just will not do for black people because he would it would cost them, not because... Not because he don't want to. Yeah, exactly. I, and I see Trump doing stuff that I'm like, oh, we pulled that off? Okay. I'm not mad at the First Step Act. I got friends and, and fathers of friends that's going to come home from that. Mm-hmm. Mr. Charles that was doing 20, he came home because of that First Step Act. The granny that him and Kim Kardashian got to come home, she's doing 20, oh, she did over 20 years for a first-time felony drug offense, coke. I know all the, a lot of y'all politicians and corporate people. I know that y'all hit them lines. I know, I know what it is. So I'm not mad. When he did that, I was like, okay, not mad at that. Then when he doubled down, I was like, yo, I'm going to give some funding to them HBCUs. Now, for whatever his reason is, I don't give a shit. I don't care. I'm going to be critical. I think he's trash on the Second Amendment. Banning the Trump stocks. Trump. You think he's trash, trash. on the Second Amendment? Okay. Trash. I was there in Atlanta at the NRA annual meetings when he um, was the first sitting president to address the NRA annual meeting. When he said, the eight-year assault on your Second Amendment rights have come to a crashing end. I was in the front row. I was right there. Getting favorable press for the NRA through CNN, but they never get. I got that for them two years in a row, just by my presence and knowing the histories. Because you're black. Because I'm black, as well as, I'm like, yo, this is the information. This is the reality of it. And look at all these black people that's here. It's, it's not as an extreme. The left gonna try to paint it like, this is the same thing they did, tried to do in Virginia last week. Oh, it's a, it's a white ring, wing thing. Oh, it's a white right wing thing. Nah, this mine now. Me and my friends from the hood got all the guns. And you are autonomous. You answer to no one. I answer to no one. The people. This, this is just authentically, organically, me. an extension of Maj Torre yep. and the other founders. Yep. That's it. And, and you know, that's, I'm happy to hear that because there's a lot of our organizations that are pretty much owned yep. by outside funding sources. Yep. Black Lives Matter. One such organization. They took the bag. But the NAACP, you name every last one of them, because we don't fund our own organizations for whatever reason, and whoever chooses to fund them calls the shots. So yeah. it's a good thing that yeah. you are funding or finding a way to self-fund, because yeah. that means that the decisions and actions that you take right. and make a genuinely young. It's a double-edged sword, though, too, because 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 of how I communicate and can say whatever I want, I'm I'm respectful. First, I'm not a rat, so if it ain't my business to talk about, I don't talk about it. Okay. However, if it's a truth about a thing, when you ask me, is people on the Republican side? I, I'm speaking at CPAC again this mm-hmm. year in a couple of weeks. Yeah, it's people on the Republican, the conservative side that y'all got these old, outdated ideologies. Going back to that NRA thing, 4 million members. Y'all don't want the other 95, 96 million members? Gun no, owners. Gun, are, gun owners. Mm-hmm. Just alone, I could walk a million people into ownership, to, to dues-paying membership of the NRA. But you got you to gotta square certain things away, like the Philando Castile thing. And that's, no, nah, but as soon as three Dallas offices are shot, oh, it's on your website landing page. We stand with the, law, the NRA is a law enforcement agency. They have been behind all of the major... And I want it to change. Because they also got a good history. You, you want it to be a gun ownership yep. agency. Whether it be law enforcement or civilian. Right. Everybody. Right. And so, um, with that being the case, I think that double-edged sword turns because then certain platforms, because I'm not controlled, they scared to have me on. They scared to say, and you could tell me, look, Maj, our sponsors are such and such. Please stay away from this and this. Okay, then don't ask me. Don't ask me the question. And I'll, okay, that's your people. I ain't going shit in your money pile. Do your mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Don't ask me that question, though. 
know what I'm saying? You're going to answer it. Because I'm going to answer it. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know what I mean? If I say it once, I'm going to say it twice. I'm going to stand on that. Mm-hmm. You know? And so, so it's the double-edged sword. I don't think they really know that. Especially coming into 2020, it's an election year. You know, the, the shit I be talking about could... This, we, Black Guns Matter, we a gun organization. But we a break you out the Matrix organization. Got you. You know, speaking of that... You ran for office in Philly mm-hmm. as a libertarian. Yeah. What was that experience like, and why did you leave the Libertarian Party? So I left, so the experience was, um, it was amazing. One, I got my first gray hair fucking with this campaign shit. I was like, <laughs> yo, I see why, you know how you see Obama when he was like in 08, was like this young, cool fly. Like a couple terms in, it was like, bruh, I see what it do. Can I share something with you quickly? Yeah. I was involved in two campaigns in Detroit. Coleman Young II ran for mayor and ran for Congress. Literally, my hair just started growing back right here because I had a bald spot there in the back of my head. Stress. Yeah, so I can relate, but go ahead, carry on. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, and the other thing was seeing how the game is stacked. It's rigged. I ran as a libertarian because that's what I am in principle. Mm-hmm. And I don't think people are ready to have a conversation about anarchy and anar and ancap and all of that. That's the hood. You definitely the the messaging is too powerful. Even the word when you say anarchy, people think that that means you just like destroy everything, and that's not what it means in a political sense. But libertarian is everybody in the hood is already conservative values and or libertarian. Pretty much. I, I'm going to do me. You do you. Your thing don't mess with my thing. We good. That's libertarianism in a nutshell. And they follow this thing called the non-aggression principle, which is like, yo, I'm not going to initiate any acts of aggression towards other beings. I'm good. That's why they, yo, you, they against the war on drugs. We against the war on, like, all of this other shit. That's like, why are you over there? Why are you over there messing with them people? Just build your thing. So... Um, I thought that, that it did resonate with the hood. The problem is that duopoly is strong. And Philly's an 80% Democrat city. So I'm entrenched in a thing that already has a very powerful infrastructure. And they cheat. That's just what it is. So, for example, one, as a third-party candidate, you need three times the amount of signatures to get on the ballot. That's Ten, off. 10,000 for you. Yeah, right? I got 10,000. I needed, I needed 32 Mm-hmm. 3,200. The mm-hmm. other people that already have an infrastructure, they got wards, ward leaders, they tell their ward leaders, yo, you need to turn in this amount of signatures by this time. So they already got distribution, for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. Signature distribution. I'm just going outside getting the signatures. I got 10,000. I turned in 7,000, hoping that somebody would challenge me and play themselves so I could hit them with another three and make them recount. That's how I played it. However, so that was the first thing that let me know the game is rigged. The other thing is, the machines was, so that last year was the last year that they could use those machines in Philly, in Pennsylvania. The machines were paid for by Soros. <laughs> That's one. George Soros. George Soros. The other thing is, there's a dude that was in the county right outside of Philly. They said he had 126 votes. He campaigned super hard. It was like, yo, you only got 126 votes in the whole county. He was like, nah, there's no way. He's like, yo, I want to recount. They count the hard drives. Yeah, you got 126. Nah, count the paper ballots. My man had 26,000 votes and won. <laughs> What's his name? I forget this dude's name. Oh, man. Um, this just happened. This last November. Oh, man. So he's suing him. He Jill, Jill Stein got a case against the fe- for similar type of fraudulent stuff. My point is, the game is rigged is one of the biggest things that I learned. It is. The other thing that I learned is, um, if you engage the community, over 90% of the people that voted for me were first-time voters. So I'm like, okay. And they voted for me, the libertarian. So there's a cost to educate the consumer, which if I run again, I would start educating the consumer way ahead of time on what a libertarian actually is. Showing them like, because I can't, because if I say, I could have had a better fight as a Republican, but you somewhat scared of hood because the media has told you a Republican means sellout, mm-hmm. hate white, hate black people. But I'm, and lock up blacks. And lock up blacks. So then mm-hmm. it becomes, all right, well, damn, do I run as a Democrat? And then I'm talking to some of my, mind you, most of my funding 
came from other places. I'm talking about for the city council run. If I say Democrat, because I raised like 60, 70 grand, something like that in a couple of months, right? If I say Democrat, I've got high level Republicans that I was like, hey, what you think about me running as a Democrat? Y'all know where I'm on, but running as a Democrat. One of my uh, folks said, he said, Maj, I love you. But let me tell you something. If Jesus Christ came back and ran as a Democrat, I would not vote for Jesus. I'm like, okay, it's very clear to me. So for me, the libertarian thing is a good way to split the difference. And they don't have the negative PR associated with either. So that's what I I learned from it. Why Um, not just independent? Because the hood don't know what that, that, that's synonymous in in Philly with anarchists. They don't even know what that shit mean. But I could go, big boy from outcast to libertarian. I could go, I can give them points of reference. When you say independent, who's a, who's a famous independent that the hood would relate to, in my city at least? So it was like, all right, split the difference. And I'm a libertarian. That, that whole limited government, leave me the fuck alone. Like, the government got too much power. We need to, you know, rein them in, you know? And so for me, it was that. But it was a good experience. Um, it, it, it definitely raised my profile um, I get way more death threats now, which is a good thing. You know what I'm saying? Um, I get way more um, people from like the Bitcoin cryptocurrency world because a lot of them are, they're not associated with the party. They're associated with libertarianism in general. So the Libertarian Party, which is the third largest party in the country, has about 17,000 registered members. That's it. But there's millions of actual libertarians. The reason why I stepped back from the party is because um, the leadership, they, 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 one, when I lost, they was like, oh, you can't be the keynote speaker because I was critical of people saying certain things that pushing a homosexual agenda. I'm like, do your thing. But like, come on, bro. Like, that part's not true. On one hand, y'all are saying things like, oh, we, we shouldn't give 16-year-olds um, access to voting or firearms or whatever it is. An 18-year-old isn't smart enough to own a firearm. They don't know, their mind isn't mature enough yet. But at the same time, y'all saying five, 10-year-olds, they told me that they want to be a girl. My son want to be a girl, so I'm going to give the five, 10-year-old hormone treatments. That's a contradiction. So by me exposing a contradiction, certain people were saying, oh, he's a homophobe. Is that within the Libertarian Party? Yeah. They're pro-LGBT? Yeah. Okay. And the dude that's running it is, he, he, he running it on a left platform in the sense of trying to get more Democrats into the party. But that's not what your actual philosophy is. You know what I mean? That philosophy is limited government, non-aggression principle, free market, so forth and so on. Liberty means, I don't give a fuck what you do. Do it. But that doesn't mean that you get to push that onto... you. Let, listen, my, my hang in the neighborhood. It's the baddest... Did you say neighborhood? In Philly, it's an area called the neighborhood. Neighborhood. Actual, called the neighborhood. Neighborhood. Interesting. You know what I'm saying? I be in there. Them, some of my favorite restaurants is in there. My transgender cousin I'm with like twice a week. Oh, wow. I'm like... And then they like, oh, you're homophobic. I'm like... And my other friends is like, yo, why don't you let them know you with your cousin? I'm like, because my f- cousin is my cousin. He's not a... Not a prop in yeah, the politics. Like, I get it. You know what I'm saying? And so, um, so they pulled me off the keynote speaker, and I told them ahead of time, I was like, listen, if y'all pull me because of this, because a donor, a donor was the person, because I told him, eat a dick, because he called me talking <laughs> about he not going to help with my camp. I was like, well, why are you calling him? Because I don't think you could win. Great. So tell me, tell me what you see that I'm doing wrong so I could adapt. No, I just you in Philly, and I don't think you win. Okay, cool. So why are we having this conversation? So I went, I went on Facebook. I'm like, I didn't name him. At all. Mind you, we, got, we took the meeting or the call with him. My, my uh, partner took the meeting or the call because it was like, yo, you liking a bunch of my stuff on Facebook. Let's, let's chop it up. I was in Arizona for the gun rights policy conference, like riding ATVs in the hot sun. And she like, yo, you got to take this call. I don't want to fucking take this call, but I take the call anyway. He telling me how I can't win. Da, da, da. I, on Facebook, I'm like, look. If you calling me telling me I can't win, don't fucking call me. Don't set up a meeting. Don't take the meeting. He identifies himself in the comment section. I'm like, well, I'm glad you showed up and ID'd yourself. Eat a dick. You a fucking weirdo. I don't give a fuck about your money. That's the beauty of me. I don't give a fuck about your money. If this all fall, I'm going to just trap weed. 
And then, then he stopped you for being the keynote speaker. Yeah, he leaned on them, and I told them ahead of time. I said, listen, I already see y'all play a mile away. Y'all going to wait to see if I win or lose in a city council race. If I win by a little bit, y'all will probably keep me on. If I get my ass whipped, which I probably will, right, y'all going to try to pull me. I'm telling y'all, that pressure from him as a donor, if we libertarians, we don't bend to the donor class. For all of that, I could have just ran as a Republican or a Democrat. They sound like the Democrats and Republicans to me. And they did it. So they knew that I was going to do it, and I fell back off of them. I've seen you in other interviews speak on Blexit. You was at a Blexit function in Atlanta. Yeah. What is Blexit? Why is it important? Yeah. Blexit is the black exit from the Democratic Party. The problem with that for me, and mind you, I like Candace Owens. Um, that's her phrase or her, her thing. I disagree with her on some key issues. As a person that has had fights with the police mm-hmm. and been beat up by the police, police brutality is an issue. I'm not saying it's the same issue as heart disease or alcoholism. I'm saying police brutality is an issue for white dudes. Like Y'all actually should be in more of an uproar because y'all getting beat up by the police more than black men statistically. Is that a fact? That's a fact. Oh, wow. Now, mass media be like, oh, it's the black dude. So it feel like that whole fear factor. And I get her on that point. So I like Candace, and I love the fact that we can engage, agree where we agree, and disagree where we disagree. Um, the black exit from the Democratic Party, who, who said it had to be the Republican Party? It's the exit is, or you don't exit. You study a bunch of these different parties, and if you wind up back at Democrat for whatever your reasons are, I'm cool with that too. I don't see how you could, but if you do, you did your due diligence, and that's your choice. So, you, know, you know, not to cut you, man, you know what my issue with Blexit is? Yeah, what? I, I don't care who the party is. Yeah. It shouldn't be called Blexit. It should be called Vote Your Own Interest. Right. And whichever party... Who got it's that bag? Your Who got interest. that? Yeah. <laughs> Yo, look. Yeah. I, see, and that to me, that's what I find flawed with the Blexit concept because it's almost assuming that the other side is automatically better. And they not. They no. They are historically. They have been better in certain key moments. Mm-hmm. The Democrat Party is like fucked up. Like his, like his, I'm not talking about the individuals in it right now. Their policies have been horrendous for the black community. That's like all over the country. All over the country, and it's like if I'm if I'm doing the numbers on it, it's like damn, all of the urban centers that y'all run is fucked up out here. All right, cool. The Republicans at least was like, but I and I'll go on where they fuck up they they good points in a second. The Republicans at least was like, yo, you don't want to be sovereign. Yo, you don't want to get out this freedom, to, even if for their own interests. At the back in the day, it was like, yo, even, even Lincoln, I just came from the Lincoln Monument. Even he was like nominally interested in ending slavery. That was for political reasons, to bring mm-hmm. the union back together. And I'm not mad at your reasoning, but at the same time, it's like, all right, that's a step in that direction. So it is, the Republican Party historically has been better, but then you got to go, okay, well, why ain't y'all the best? What, what are y'all... Your apathy or lack of involvement in the Democratic-ran cities is the reason why they keep winning. So that doesn't make you better in that regard. It just means you was quiet. And you know what Dr. King said about it? There comes a time when silence is betrayal. I heard a speaker on the radio the other day quote Ralph Abernathy from his book. Mm. And Ralph said they went to the Congressional Black Caucus to see about um, finding ways to minimize black dependency on welfare Mm -hmm. and were rebuffed by the Congressional Black Caucus. And in theory, the reason why the dysfunction is allowed and even, um, you know, cultivated is because a weak people are a controllable people. Mm-hmm. Nobody's trying to fix the problem. Right. It's things are the way they are by design. Right. And if the Democrats are in control, then you have to lay the blame at their doorstep. Right. 
for the things being the way they are. Right. As long as we are dysfunctional, we vote as a block. Yep. The Democrats don't want gun ownership. Myself, I believe in gun ownership. Right. I do. I personally support the Second Amendment. Right. You know, but um, as a people, we we have to really start looking after our own interests mm-hmm. and holding those people who look like us yeah. accountable. Yeah. That we trust to lead us. Right. You see, because what they do is they um. They love to talk about Trump. And, you know, I don't even really know what's going on with the impeachment. I couldn't care less. Right. Nobody's watching it. You, no you know, I mean, I'm not really fixated on Trump, but I noticed that the charlatans, yeah. they want to keep us all fixated on Trump so we don't notice what they're doing. Right. You and know? to me, it's like, I'm critical. I don't support, when people are like, you, you in the guns, you, you pro Trump or you anti Trump. It's like, I'm not pro or anti any fucking politician. It would. My, the definition of politics is the securing, maintenance, and expansion of your interests. My interest is my community, my family. What policies, you person that I'm putting in the seat to work for me, that these are the policies that help my community. That's what I need you to do. Anything other than that, first of all, all of that on the federal level worried about the president. The president isn't chosen by the popular vote. It's number one. You don't even know who your delegate or superdelegate is for your state that determines who's going to give their vote to the president. You don't even know that even if every single person in your state said, we want Hillary. If that delegate that has that vote in the electoral college says so and votes for Trump, there is no legal obligation or ramifications for him to do the exact opposite of what the people have spoken. That's something that needs to change. So, politics is local. Do you know who your fucking city councilman is? Councilman woman, councilwoman is? Like, do you go down and find out what's, what's up with this budget down here? Like, it's this, I be translating to people in the hood like, you know who got the best tree on in a 10 block radius? Because you ask questions. All right, he got, if you a little tight right now, he could get you an A for 40. It probably is going to be some Mexican swag or some trash. Mm-hmm. But you tight right now. He's going to get you some Reggie for $40 for an eighth. But if you want that right there, my man, I know he got, he got, a, he got something for you for $70. It's an eighth, but it's, you ain't going to have to smoke as much. You know that based on your interaction in the community. You know the prices. You know who got it. You know who went to jail. It's, take that same thought process. And the, yeah, my man had a couple bills that wasn't really cool kind of fucked the money up a little bit but my man over here though matter of fact shorty across the street on the republican side she black and she talk a little funny however she put up this policy that brought my man home she trying to get money from that sugar tax that they said was going to be to that she trying to put that back in the schools you got to treat it like it's sports Mm -hmm. and you know the stats and you know you know that actually has a more impact on your life, more of an impact on your life than all of this, what Trump doing. My man going to look out for his interests on a national level. My man, that's like when I be, used to hear like record, record label dudes complaining about the label. Bro, you're never going to see the people that run Vivendi, that own Universal. They in France. You're Correct. never going to see them. Make your music, sell your music. You accepted a contract. Deal with that until the terms is up and make your worth you like working out of it. Like Frederick Douglass. My man was on the run, still getting money, <laughs> doing speaking engagements, had to lead the country, come back when his friends got that bread up to buy his freedom. You got to do the same thing. So it's the same concept. You're talking about all of these things. Yet I'm not saying don't be informed, but understand the playing field that you're on. This is your battleground right here, especially locally. Then you build a pyramid, got to have a base. You worried about the eye on top of it. You know what I'm saying? And that's my take on it. Look, we met on social media. We yeah. Connect, we connected on social media. and We both have a somewhat strong presence on that. I'm, I'm, I'm banned right now. Locked on, on what? my account. On Twitter? On Twitter. <laughs> on my Curtis Schoon account. Yeah. Right? But um, it's interesting because I've seen a lot of... Um, Entertainers, rappers become activists, and you were a rapper at one time. Yeah. 
What? How long ago was that? This was years ago. I'm actually working on a song with um, Rook Flair from the Justice League. But um, this was a minute ago. Like uh, years. But my, my conversation about music and what I'm talking about has been the same. My file has always been community empowerment. But then it becomes... You get disenchanted. Like, it's too many goofy people in the music industry that don't got no heart. But now I'm recognizing it's just... Can you name just, just one for me? Um, Who's a goofball? Uh, Talib Kweli. Oh, man. Yeah, he's a, he's a fucking clown. <laughs> he's a fucking clown. Yeah, I, I've had a run-in with him or two on yeah. social media. And it's like, bro... And I told... So, when I had a run-in with him, it's like... This is more recent, within the last year or so. Talib, I'll fuck you up, man. Like, stop. Like, don't. I'm not that. And I initially was trying to be a peace broker between the disagreement that he was having with somebody else. You know what I mean? Same thing. I was trying to be a peace broker between Coleon Noir and Tariq Nasheed. I think Tariq Nasheed's a fucking clown. It's a lot of, in these different industries, in the gun industries, there's all of these people that's just running around, you really pussy, and, I, and, and, I, and I'm, uh, I'm for peace, I'm for the non-aggression principle, but I think our definition of what's acts of aggression need to change. Just because you type something on the internet, that, that was an aggressive act. You, it's like if I said, if I, if I tweeted, when I get home, I'm going to smack the shit out of my girl. If I tweeted that, right? They would try to crucify me. That's because you said some shit. It wasn't like a robot. It was you. It was your thumbs. There's accountability for them, for them moves. They be just saying stuff and doing stuff and throwing stuff on the internet. And I get it. The, the parallel between the entertainment industry and the gun community is similar in that regard. Because A, by safe. Don't nobody want to catch a charge in the gun community. Because they never took no chances in their life. So they, their whole thing is based on their license to carry. Their ability that the government's telling them. That you can now own guns. Same thing in the, in the entertainment industry. Nobody wants to get sued. Who's behind Talib Kweli? Why is he so vigilant? He's calling people Nazis, coons. <laughs> I, I'm looking at him and yeah. I, I know this isn't who he is, but somebody's putting a battery in his back. Where's that coming from? I think I know he has ties at some point, had ties to the Hillary Clinton Foundation, Clinton Foundation, all of that. Um... I think sometimes when people fall off, they just want to go with what they think is going to get them back in. I've had actors do the same thing, like try to sabotage Black Guns Matter. And I'm like, oh, really? mm-hmm. Isaiah Washington, fucking clown. I, I thought he was a... Fucking uh, clown. I thought he was a Republican or try, something He like switched. That. He following me all over social media. Oh, wow. He tried, to, he tried to get me to give him 30% of Black Guns Matter. He helped in the beginning, tried to play me out. Tried to juice me for, gave, gave up. I was like, y'all don't need no paper, bro. I, I, need a, I need a fucking, I ain't never had no job job. Like, my paper trail was trash. So I'm like, I don't need no bread. I need, like, if you, because he was like, yo, you need to move out North Philly. I'm like, what? I can predict everything in North Philly. <laughs> like, I get, that's the bad guy. Mm-hmm. Them two dudes that was floating look weird to me in this room right now. The tall black dude that had the black shirt on with the white writing. Why is he fucking hovering around? And then he floated this way. Your eyes picked it up. She kept looking for him. I could predict every fucking. I can. That shit is like breathing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If he do some dumb shit, I'm gonna get at him right through this fucking glass. That's what's in my thought process. So I, I can see everything that he want me to move somewhere else. And I'm like, mm-hmm. everybody was like, yo, I think you should. And so I moved some. I was like, yo, I don't need no no bread. I need like a paper trail. He co-signed for a spot. Then he sent me six grand. I'm like, bet. He's like, you can't be using money that you had from other things here. Sent me six grand. I spent all that shit on BGM merch. Was excited. I'm thinking, checking myself. Yo, you, my friends, yo, you got to leave that street mentality. Everybody ain't out to get you. Uh, all this. I'm, initially, I'm like, well, this business is the same to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm starting to get relaxed. My man hit me up talking about, all right, well, look, just... Sign over 30% of your company. I'm like, I can't really do that. I had people that was with me already. I thought, how'd that look to them? And you're giving me a fucked up valuation of my company. you saying for six grand that I, you get 30% of BGM. Mm. Come on, cuz. I can sell a pound in apes and get that. Like, what are, you, what are you talking about? 
So, but I'm like, you know, whatever. I said, well, listen, let's, I don't think that's fair. Well, you're not going to find a celebrity with international presence like me to help you. In essence, trying to sun me. And I'm like, nah, my friends say don't take that mentality into this. Da, da, da. Oh, no, bro. So let's do it this way. Whatever you fundraise, because he's, oh, I got no people. We trying to get $5 million together. Look, I'm going to come to you for the money. I, ain't, I can't miss $5 million that I ain't have. Mm -hmm. he said, I said, whatever you get, you take 25% off the top. Me and BG, I'm going to take the hit for all of the taxes. You, that's your money. If you raise a million dollars, you take two fifty. I'm going to pay the taxes on the whole million. I ain't have it. It wasn't mine. You made this money show up out of thin air with your international presence. My man told me, I'm not a work for hire. And in my mind, I'm like, motherfucker, you're an actor. You're quite literally. <laughs> Look, one last thing, man, and then we're going to wrap yeah, it up. Yeah, my bad, because right? I, I get no, passionate no, no, that's, about no, the clown it's shit. all good. Yeah. I wish we had more time, because yeah. I'm enjoying this. But, yeah. you know, we, we only got a limited yeah. space yeah. here. But um, since 1980, there's been about 300,000 black men murdered in America. Mm -hmm. That's more fatalities than every war post-World War II combined. Mm -hmm. um, most of those murders were... Black men. Black men. I, no, they were all black men, but most were guns. Okay, I see what you mean. How can two parts, and that'll be it, how can legal gun ownership impact that statistic mm -hmm. and briefly tell us about the work you did yeah. in Chicago, yeah. which can be an example of yeah. how So all of the places, there's a great book that everybody should check out called More Guns, Less Crime by John Lott. Um, his, in a nutshell, all of the states that have more respect for the Second Amendment, Arizona, great state for guns, notoriously low violent crime, murders, rob, robberies, rapes, all low. All of the places they got more restrictions. I'm the bad guy. Nobody's going to return fire. I'm shooting fish in a barrel. I'm good. Nobody's going to return fire. That's a, it's a cultural thing. Even some areas that have a respect for gun culture, but not so good gun laws like Texas. Texas does not have great gun laws, but they got good respect for gun culture. Lower violent crime. So that's that. So what we did in Chicago is what we, for 2016... Before we started going on the tour, we did most of our classes in Philly. And a big concentration of that was conflict resolution. 2017 come out, the stats for 2016 drop. Philly, in that year of 2016, had the lowest violent crime that it had had since 1979. Is that violent crime or murders? Both. Okay. Lowest murders since 1979? Lowest murders? I know it was called in Philadelphia, Philadelphia. Right, for a long time. Yeah. We had sent about... Five, ten thousand people. Our classes were across the street from the license to carry unit. We sent thousands of people over there to get their license. They picked the licensing unit up, moved it to a whole nother part of the town to make it more difficult for people to get their license to carry. Pennsylvania is very pro-gun. Philadelphia is a blue city in the middle of a red state. So they changed and they used that to determine, again, the um, rules for the state. Now... Chicago. So we like, okay, let's try it in a shorter time. I moved to Chicago for a month. No gun classes. All conflict resolution. Took no cameras, no media for a month. I stayed in the hostel. We would hit the south side, hit Inglewood, uh, all them different places. Just doing comp just little brief conflict resolution kits and tactics. The, the weekend that I come back, I think it was Memorial Day or Labor Day. One of them is a traditionally very bloody Weekend in Chicago. Zero homicides. Zero. The answer here is conflict resolution, respect for the Second Amendment, and education, not legislation. We have 30 years of data, even with just um, gun-free zones. 1991, they come in the Clinton crime bills. They come, become a law sponsored and created by Joe Biden. Since then, over 90% of the mass shootings is in them gun-free zones. <laughs> it's a contradiction of the highest order. So our work is a, a holistic approach to resolving conflicts if they are, de-escalating them before they become, firearm safety and training if 
need be, and a healthy respect for the Second Amendment, more specifically geared to melanated beings that happen to live in these um, crime-ridden, highly populated cities. And we're seeing a lot of support and wor- a good work in, a, in, in the proper direction. Well, on that note, Madge, it was a pleasure having you and much success to you, you in the future, man. No doubt. And I'm always here for you if you need me, bro. Absolutely, All absolutely. Right? For sure, I appreciate oh, you. Man. For sure.